0: When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420, The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management.
1: Good afternoon, everybody. What a beautiful day here in Cleveland. Oh, it's just outstanding. Uh, Fall has arrived. (laughs) Anyway, let's get started by thinking positively. Liberty, when it begins to take root, is a plant of rapid growth. They that can give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deserve neither liberty nor safety. It's uh, Ben Franklin. And then one of my favorites, Mr. Lincoln, said uh, America will never be destroyed from the outside. If we falter and lose our freedoms, it will be because we destroyed ourselves. And uh, that is, unfortunately, uh, a very true statement. And then, finally, from Charlotte Bronte, who was, uh, you know, the First Lady of the Reformation, as far as I'm concerned. I am no bird, and no net scares me. I am a free human being with an independent will. And, uh, yes, she was. She was a fantastic lady. I don't know if you've ever read about her, but you should, if you haven't. Uh, you know, we always talk about our, um, our web page, so if you go to WHK's webpage, page just go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show with Tim Hayes, it goes, it takes you directly to my web page. And there's some really good stuff on there. First of all, you know, you can hit the contact me or email me, and we have our dividend growth portfolio. We're going to talk about the check of the month club this, this uh, today, the prime income list, uh, our top ideas. You know, we're starting to see some ADRs break out. Those are American depository receipts. Those are foreign stocks. That trade on our exchanges, so you don't have to worry about the, you know, the uh, currency fluctuations all the time. We have our small cap ideas. Small caps turned up Friday. It was an interesting day. Uh, we have our multi cap portfolio, which has uh, done extremely well, <laughs> extremely well. Uh, also, on that uh, front page, if you look under bulletin board, there's a weekly newsletter out. Uh and then there's uh trend and cycle. That's Rob Schleimer, who's an award winning, you know, uh uh technician that came over from Funst well, he was with RBC and he he was voted number one several times, went to Funstrat and then came back to us and uh Funstrat is great because uh, we get to listen to Tom Lee every week, uh and who who's a what I consider one of the, the best strategists out there along with you know, If we've added Tom Lee with Lori Calvacina, who's our head strategist, they've been dead on, on on all their stuff, so keep it up. But then under Insight, uh, we have constantly revolving information for you, newsletter, you know, stuff from our research, just basic stuff you need to know about finances, you know, wedding finances, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, college finances, you know, those type of things. And it's 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 a roll it's a scrolling <laughs> newsletter, okay? So it changes every week. Uh, I highly recommend it. So that's WHK fourteen twenty local podcast down the Smart Investor Show, Tim Hayes, and take it from there. You know um, some interesting things. Um, first of all, as of June, nearly forty percent of overall consumer spending came from the top fifth of earners. Households that earn at least hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. By contrast, the bottom twenty percent of households account for just nine percent of all its spending. So what we have is this, you know, people who are doing well in this crazy situation this pandemic, and people who aren't doing so well. And uh I don't know how we fix that um until the pandemic's o- over. But uh you know, construction on new housing in the past 20 years fell by 5.5 million units short of the long-term historical levers, levels. So if you're wondering why houses are so expensive, that's the reason. And what happened was, you know, back in 2000, 2003 and 4 and 5 on this show, we were talking about housing being parabolic. And we said you should short the housing stocks. And it was a great call, by the way. Uh, and and what, so what happened, basically, is they stopped Building that, because a lot of the housing companies were were hurting. You know, their, their stocks were down. Hard, it was hard to get loans. It was hard to float stock, uh, and so they quit building for like fifteen years. And now we're in a situation where people don't want to live in the city anymore because they're worried about pandemics. And so, you know, uh, just so you know, we would have to be well above the two point one million unit a year rate, well above it, to wipe out that. Deficit within a decade. So, you know, house prices are going up and are staying up, is what I'm trying to tell you. In April, the U.S. median home price surged 19.1% from a year ago uh, to $341,600. Uh, that's a pretty big number. So, uh, you know, it, 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 the, these are what we uh, see when we create these type of things. And I, I think you're uh, you know, you can see what's going on out there. Anyway, you know, I, I had a question. Um, one of the things that the Biden administration is doing is killing any kind of defense uh, stocks uh, in a big way because what they've shut down is the takeover. You know, uh, Lockheed Martin's trying to take over somebody, and uh, they won't let them. It's, you know, they're so far they won't let them. They're reviewing it, and I, I bet you they say no. But the global drone market. Is expected to grow 20% annually, and that's sequential. Okay, that's the one thing that Wall Street loves is when you say sequential on the growth rate. Wall Street perks their ears. Okay, from 15 billion to over 90 billion in 2020 and 2030. Uh, That's from Levitate Capital, by the way, uh, some friends that we do business with. Uh, Look, drones have many applications, such as uh, you know, enterprise where they. The mid-air in solar installation or real estate sales or logistics, they may deliver packages that type of thing. Uh, But the largest current drone market is defense, roughly eight billion dollars. The defense market is set for strong growth, and it's probably going to be you know probably be more technological advances and that type of thing. But it's something to think about, and uh, you know we'll leave it at there. Now, Lori Calcevina this week, and and this is something I think you should listen to. Uh, She talked about three things you need to know. Number one, you know, by the way, Lori Calvicina is our head strategist and a really good one. She's quite regularly on CNBC. But Lori says COVID has taken up more airtime on earnings calls in in August. And the number of companies expressing concern or uncertainty over the impact of Delta variant uh, slightly outweighing those expressing confidence. 52.50 at this point. I mean, 52.48. The second thing is we're seeing more pronounced signs of stress in high frequency indicators. Now, why is that important? The high frequency traders are the guys that move the market in the background. You know, when you have the up 500 days and the down 500 days, they're the guys that are moving it. So something to pay attention to because if they start to get on the downside, you know, you got to, got to pay attention to that stuff. The U.S. equity market has remained forward-looking, fortunately, uh, focusing not on the impacts of the latest surge, but on the recovery. And, you know, that's that's important. So COVID gets more airtime. Uh, the tone is becoming more mixed. You get a, a deterioration in the high-frequency indicators has become more pronounced, and the stock market is starting to look ahead. Now, one of the things she's talking about, and we're going to talk about dividends again because I've been talking about it ad nauseum now for about 20 years, Dividend and buybacks are becoming popular again. What a novel concept, huh? Now, what's interesting is we had this big move up in yields, you know, from basically below one on the 10-year treasury to 1.15. And I said it broke uh, 1.14. I said it broke 1.85. It was probably going to 2.1. And then that was, you know, the 2.4 area is the downtrend line, Dating all the way back to 1980. So interest rates would actually break out. But I think the shorts were not prepared. Everyone was short the bond market at that point. They were lazy shorts. And they got their, you know, what's handed to them. Uh, Anyway, this week, the yield decline extended. You know, retail sales were kind of interesting. And I think consumer confidence, which we're going to talk about in the second part of the show, dropped 13%. It's a huge drop. Uh, So the yield decline on the Delta variant concerns has extended through this, you know, through Friday. And so, if you look at the U.S. Treasury yields, are down uh, by about four basis points on the day, and we we went to 136, and then we pulled back to 132. Now, what's interesting on a technical basis only is the 50 day looks like it may cross the 200 day on the downside technically, okay. Now this is, you know, for all you guys out there that are looking at the charts. You know, that's what they call a death cross, all right? And that's usually not a good thing. Meaning that yields might not go back up for a while. So, just remember that. And uh I think it's something that you got to pay pretty uh, particular attention to because of the fact that uh you know, we are in a situation where you know, if yields go back down, that tells me that things are going to get interesting again, okay? Yields don't go down for no apparent reason. Remember, the, the bond market is seven to 10 times bigger than the stock market. There is no insider information in the bond market. These guys sharpen their pencils, so just remember that. Now, I got that out, and I just want to remember to tell you that this is a live show. If you have a question, you can call into the uh, in the studio. It's 216-901-0945. That's 216 216-901- 901 9045, uh, i I'm sorry, not 90. You know, we had a great uh, piece this week, and uh, it's called, uh, by the way, I forgot to mention that we have two pieces that you can grab from us. It's called the U.S. Electrical Grid. And if you don't think, with all these electric cars coming and all these, uh, you know, the environmentalists hitting us with this electrical stuff, that the electrical grid is important, You're out of your mind, okay? So this is the U.S. electrical grid. It's it's a great little uh, uh, story. And then we had our virtual global energy power and infrastructure conference. Uh, And day two was, I consider, the most interesting. uh, But it has all the energy uh, thematic takeaways, all the, you know, the oil and gas takeaways, all the commodity takeaways, and that type of thing. I highly recommend it. This last week, or we've actually been doing for a couple of months now, we did a did a digital intelligence theories. Now, you may recall last year in April and May, I was talking about Mark Mahaney's piece on the digital transformation of society and how the pandemic accelerated it probably by 10 years. Well, this is a very interesting story simply because of the fact that, uh, you know, we have a situation uh, – that what we're doing is we're taking a data science team, what we call our RBC Elements, and we took a look at this, and we specialize in leveraging alternative data applications at the macro level, and, and our mission is to use the quantitative and statistical methods to extract insights from structured and unstructured macro data sets to unearth actionable uh, investment ideas spurred by changes in social behavior and societal behavior and real-time global events. I, you know, look, COVID is resetting, disrupting, accelerating many facets of the global ecosystem. Um, you know, look, uh, you know, we, we put together two different what we call indices, GOAT and, GO- and GOAL. And GOAT is get out and travel indices. And GOAL is get out and live indices. Indices, Okay. So GOAL stands for transit Use Retail Foot Traffic, park, Parks Foot Traffic. Uh, workplaces, put traffic, driving directions requests, traffic congestion, and and restaurant uh, reservations. And GOAT is flight departures, TSA throughput, air travel search interest, car rental search interest, accommodation search interest, train transportation search interest, and hotel bookings. So, this is where the in- internet comes be- very interesting because what we're doing is we're quantifying social behavior. All right, and using it to figure out good ideas. It's a great piece. Uh, I'm not going to go any farther than that, but uh, it's something that if I were you, I'd call in for. Now, uh, I talked to Tony this week, and uh, Tony's a sharp guy, by the way. Uh, I enjoyed a 20-minute conversation with him at 4.30 on, I think this is Wednesday. And uh, he said, you know, hey, look, I'm I'm getting to that time where I'm going to retire. What can you do for me? Well, you know, look. I always talk about the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. Bonds are not a good deal right now, okay? And if you look at bond yields, everybody's worrying about waiting for inflation to pick up, and I think it'll pick up a little bit. But look, you know, everybody uh, in, in technology uh, talks. You know, there's a guy that ran Intel, who who basically talked about doubling the capacity on a chip every three years. Okay, Uh, but there's also the right thought process, and what Wright said, his right thesis was that he was trying to figure out where to price an item. Okay, and as long as that's you're using the right principles to price out your your services, disruptive services are only going to come in if they can cut the price of whatever's out there you know, on, on a manufactured basis or on a social basis or whatever it may be. So it's going to continue to press prices down. And I don't think we're going to have a lot of demand uh, or for m- money for the next, you know, several years, because I think people are sitting on their hands because, you know, they said about a third of all the businesses that closed during the pandemic are not going to reopen again. So there's not going to be a great amount of money. So dividends are going to be important here. And what you need is a combination of dividend growth and a check in the month club. And so, our friends at Dorsey Wright, who provide us with the bullish percent, by the way, uh, great folks, uh, put together a check in the month club. And what I did was I put together, I added our dividend growth portfolio with our prime income list, and got another check in the month club. So we have technically sound companies as well as fundamentally sound companies. You know, you can't fake dividends, folks. End of story. You can't fake a dividend. Let me tell you, there are so many people looking at balance sheets. That's what I do for a living. I look at balance sheets and talk to people about their portfolios and their balance sheets, all right? So you can't fake dividends. Can't do it. So uh, the check of the month club might be something that is really interesting. I also uh, listen to our... Uh, our esg people that's environmental social and governance a lot of people go into these type of things and by our count 57 percent of the s&p 500 companies have discussed esg strategies so it's coming folks whether you like it or not it's coming to a theater near you <laughs> anyway let's take a break remember live show here the number here is 216-901-0945 216-901-0945 we'll be right back stay tuned
2: God keeps his eye on all. all right,
0: we're back.
1: You know, I was looking at money flows this week, and uh, I thought it interesting because it was a big change. Let me repeat that. I thought it interesting because it was a big change. All right, and first of all, consumer staples, who had had negative money flows for about eighteen weeks, had positive flows—not big time, but positive. And healthcare led the pack. That's interesting. You know, we've been talking about healthcare being down and out for a while now. Real estate and technology had positive fund flows, and then the second biggest one was utilities, which we talked about. Yields were up. All right, when do you buy yield when it's up? All right. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Uh people had some questions for me uh last week and I thought, you know, I'd just bring it up and uh you know, I was looking at uh you know, the one thing that kind of bugged me this week and look, you know, I I I try to uh talk to you people uh you know, like you're sitting next to me, okay? And the the Michigan consumer sentiment survey came out and it dropped like a brick 13 and percent in july and you know uh, I, I i was looking and i uh, marty pring put out an article and i think it was uh friday and he talked about uh you know marty pring's one of the best technicians if you haven't read his books man they're the best um well there's he's one of the best let's put that one there's like five or six that i follow uh to the key but you know uh this is a new post-pandemic low for the Michigan sentiment theory, uh, survey. So, uh, you know, the question is, is is it a bearish point of view? And, and uh, you know, I, I would suggest that these signals definitely have a bearish bias. So, you know, the, the other thing is uh, we kind of had a false breakout of that Michigan confidence survey, and then it dropped like a brick. So I, I don't know if, what that means, but um, – I think you got to watch that because if it doesn't turn back up, um, you know, look, the other thing is, you know, one of the reasons that the consumer is so negative is whenever the CPI or the Consumer Price Index grows faster than three and a half percent, the the uh, you see uh, the consumer, uh, I mean, the Michigan uh, survey go just drops out of uh, like a brick. Now, the question is, is the 3.5%, you know, which we broke through this week, uh, going to stick around for a while or not? And, uh, I, you know, I don't really know the answer to that, uh, but uh, I would keep – you know, you got to keep looking over your shoulder in my business, and so I'd look, be looking over my shoulder. But, you know, I did notice that, um, you know, we had a – remember I told you last – or two weeks ago, I guess it was, that the chart of the regional bank index, the 10-year treasury – and the small caps looked all alike. I mean I, I put them on uh I, on my other computer I can put them all on the same graph and I could I you know I think the small caps digged when the rest of the other two zagged. That was the only difference. But I noticed that the 10-year treasury broke the downtrend line. Now the question is is it going up because like I said, we have that 50-day moving average looks like it's going to cross over the 200-day and that's kind of the death cross yeah, you know works about 52% of the time. So we'll just keep our fingers crossed. But the financials, in general, you know, when when the interest rates go up, you know, their spread goes up. Okay, they make more money. That's simple. So, I, I thought it was interesting that the, the the financials broke out of a wedge formation and then you know, rallied up, and they pulled back now. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I was, I was looking at the XLF, okay, and you know, we'll see. You know the, the stochastic closed at eighty five, so we'll see if it stays up there or not. Uh, but I thought that was kind of interesting. I think uh, the other thing that worries me a little bit is the volume. You know, look, volume in August is a tough thing to look at. The VIX remains below. It's uh, you know, uh, it's EMA, which they look up for me, if you will. Uh, and but the volume on Friday, if you look at the Standard Pours five hundred total volume, which is a different from just volume volume it was very low all right so the vix uh you know popped over 20 for the first time in a while so you know that that was you know so i guess the question is you know you know wednesday and then we had thursday's down real big down day was that a climactic bottom and and i don't know the answer to that yet but remember the the uh, stock market tends to anticipate things several months ahead of time and and what we see uh, i mean if you sat down with me i could show you 500 charts that are down 35% or more. All right. So there's a lot of stuff going on underneath the surface. So the churn underneath the surface is substantial. And, uh, you know, everybody's in the large stocks, but I think they may be the last ones to hit the road uh, is what it came down to. Now the advanced decline line, uh, which is interesting, has been, you know, falling off the map. Uh, And the – Advanced decline line with volume has, has made a series of lower highs, which isn't good either. So we we need uh, some volume, you know, the volume ratios to pick up. Now, Friday on the on the uh, New York Composite Index, we had some decent volume, but not on the S&P 500. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, the, the up volume definitely outpaced the down volume, but it wasn't significant, okay? Uh, but I, I would say that the, Small cap indexes, you know, the Russell 2000 that uh, Rob Sch- Schleimer's been, you know, uh, very worried about, uh, did not go crazy or anything like that. So, anyway, look, uh, you know, if we look at the, you know, date back to 2009, we're at the top of the trend. Okay, so, you know, when we've been up there, we've had periods where we've backed off, backed off, and then a couple times we've gone all the way down to the bottom. Now. The problem is that between top and bottom, it's about 18%. So it's not a lot of fun. Usually it's spent, it's occurred over a period of time. Um, but the other thing is that, you know, like I said, you know, that, you know, what Rob was worried about was the 10-year yield. It made a little double bottom that broke out, then pulled right back to where it had support. So it's holding there, which is really good. Because you want the yields to go up. That means the economy is getting better. Now, oil, uh, you know, I think you got to watch this pretty closely. Uh you know, my expectation on oil, uh, was that we were going to be in a trading range for a while, you know, supports in the 67 level and, uh, 66 level, I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, resistance 77, if it breaks that, it could go to 91, by the way. Um but, you know, if you break that, uh, 66 level, you got to work, sixty-one's the next support. So uh, it d- didn't look so good Friday afternoon <laughs> at the close. So I'll leave it at that. Now, the NDX, uh, it surged 40% in the fourth quarter of 2020, and it's been pausing ever since. Uh, and the XLG and the QQQs have picked up for it. What I thought was interesting is small camps came right to technical support at the 200-day moving average and then rallied. Uh, that's very positive. If it holds there, it could be very, very positive over the long run. Okay, so uh, it's something to, to pay very close attention to, in my humble opinion. Uh, now, Look, I, I think I want to stress the long-term cycle backdrop still remains positive. I think, uh, you know, the interme- intermediate-term lows and short-term pullbacks uh, for cyclicals are going to be a problem for a while. I think, the te- you know, the Russell 2000 is going to hold the, the uh, 2100 area, we'll call it. Uh, but, you know, uh, Rob Schleimer, who's our head technician, talks about the, the, the weekly quadrant balance momentum indicator uh, – oscillator, I'm sorry – it's a, it's a momentum type indicator and it's turned up a little bit here. So, you know, we could get real interesting. Uh, I, I think the other thing is, is, you know, if, if I look at the relative strength of the Russell, it is heading south. Now it's going to turn up, I think, before uh, the market gets up and goes. Um, and it, it kind of broke down on, I think it was not last week, but the week before. Uh, versus the S and P 500, that is not good. Okay, so we need that to pick up. People keep asking me about value versus growth. If you look at the monthly charts, uh, the large group is still ahead uh, in the in the growth area. Mid caps are still that way. Small caps are losing to the value stocks. On a on a, a daily basis, it looks like value's winning uh, as it was. Now we'll see what happens uh, next week. But you know. Uh, the high beta stocks, you know, they broke out and they pulled back. Now they may be at a point where they may turn up, but we'll, we'll, we'll let you know. But I, I I think right now you need that barbell approach. You know, you need dividend growth portfolio and prime income list as the bar. Then on one side, you need some value stocks. And I think you wait for those because they're starting to come in a little bit. And then on the left-hand side, you want to have your growth stocks. Okay. And you know, I think the growth stocks, you want to have some large couple of mid caps and a couple of small caps. Right. So, uh, Um, There you go. Um, Now, I I, I get back to this 10-year yield because, you know, rates went right up to that, uh, you know, the 177, 180 mark and they stalled. And I think, you know, you got to be thinking about that because, uh, you know, we went right up to where uh, resistance was again at 1.37% on the 10-year and came back right to where support was. So it looks like we're going to be in a trading range for a short period of time now. The dollar made a little bit of a double bottom. So I think if it breaks, you know, it could go up to 94, which could be a problem for commodities. You know, when the dollar goes up, commodities go down. By the way, when dollar goes up, foreign stocks go down too. So uh, the spot index,
2: uh, you know,
1: some people think it's stalling at the 93, 94 area. It's stalled there a couple of times. Uh, That might be a double top after making a double bottom. Uh, I don't know. I, I think it could be a, Look, I think it's the best house in a bad neighborhood. (laughs) That's the best way to put it, okay? So, uh, you know, we we talked about the Canadian dollar, and Canadian dollar broke out versus uh, the U.S. dollar, and that's kind of interesting because they're mostly natural resources. That's what they export, okay? Uh, Now, copper has been weak the last couple weeks. Gold's been, you know, gold picked up last week, which is interesting. Uh, You know, gold tends to be a place where people go, uh, when you have stuff like Afghanistan happening, uh, which is a real problem, I think, I think for overall markets. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. Uh, now, well, the other thing I think we well, we'll just mention this. This is a live show. If you got a question, two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we often talk on this show about, uh, you know, risk and, uh, how to, you know, be careful with things and, and, uh, you know, when, to, look, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You just gotta know how to roll it, right? So what we have done is we've gone back in time and, uh, worked with our friends at Dorsey Wright and, uh, you know, all, all the, I use several money managers, you know, uh, because believe it or not, I don't have a monopoly on good ideas. And I use money managers who understand that they have to outperform on the downside. You understand that? That's how you win in the stock market. Not taking a 50% hit in the market, but taking an 8% when the market's down 50. And, you know, I mean, I've got a couple managers that were down just one or 2%. Okay, I have a couple managers that were up in 2001 and 2002, only to be flat in 2003, and then make it up at four, five, six, and seven and eight, and then in nine in uh, 2008 they were down a short uh, small amount, and then in 2009 they were up a big amount. Okay, several of them. So the point is is that you have to outperform on the downside. Uh, people, you know, have gone to had coffee with me and they see that I do the charts every day. I mean, I look at thousands of stocks. I want to make sure that nobody gets killed, okay because then making money on the other side is much better for you so if you if you manage your risk, that's the important thing okay that's what I'm a risk manager and a financial planner on the side, okay uh the financial plan is very important by the way, so I don't want to put that on the side. I do both so. What we've done is we've always used uh, the bullish percent, which was desert, designed by a protege of Charles Dow. And what he wanted to do is be bullish at the bottom and bearish at the top. OK, so he he was a they were all point and figure charts back then because, uh, you know, computers are what started the really modern charting. And so uh, it was X's and O's. So a column of X's, the offensive teams on the field uh, under the bullish percent scenario. Uh, this is brought to us by our friends at Dorsey Wright, by the way. Uh, they are the keeper of it, uh, the way I look at it. Anyway, and then column of Os means there's distribution. Now, there's two other points you have to. Well, there's several other points, but 70. When we get over 70, the market's too hot to handle. That's the red zone. That's when everybody's talking about their portfolio. Uh, you know, uh, it's it's the buzz at cocktail parties if there ever is again, cocktail parties. <laughs> and then you get below 30, and that's the green zone. That's when nobody opens their 401k statements. You know, uh, or if you do, you end up kicking the dog or something like that. You know, it's, it's a terrible time. All right. That's when you should be greedy. That's when you should be greedy. All right. Now we were over 70 for most, most of the first quarter. Matter of fact, we went from 60 to 80, 60 to 80, 60 to 78, 60 to 76, 60 to 74, 60 to 72. And then we fell all the way down to 50. Now, we're back in a column of Xs. Uh, we were up 1.4%. We're at 57 right now. Uh, we wouldn't fall down to 54. However, the small-cap stocks were down 5%. They, they Remember, we were very close to turning up at, at 48, and they fell to 42. Uh, the over-the-counter index was down 3. I, I mean, the uh, world index was down 3 to 45. Now that's getting close to the 30 zone, folks. Uh, so we're seeing the large names, outperform remember we talked about the advanced decline line with volume there's not much volume and it's just the big stocks you know fighting forward okay so we actually hit a new high a week ago right and yet there's a lot of destruction underneath there's a lot of stocks down 30 40 percent so it's it's a tough time very tough time and everybody says oh you know but you know my indexes are doing great. Well, not necessarily. It depends on which index you're in. (laughs) If you're in the small cap indexes, they, you know, what's interesting as a Friday, I believe they turned positive for the first time in 26 weeks. The mid caps turned positive last week uh, and they were negative for 22 weeks. So you can see how much, you know, when you have negative momentum, you get beat up pretty bad. So it's, it's something to think about. And, uh, you know, I think you know if you look, the equity markets saw a big uptick in volatility this week. So, uh, but the, we saw the you know the bullish percent tick higher. I think it peaked at sixty. So, you know, but the rest of the market is not doing so hot. And, and a couple things I noticed is number one is the financial sector versus the uh, the Arlarian, uh MLP ETF. You know, so I took the XLF versus them. The XLF won on a relative strength basis. So I look at the utility sector versus the small cap consumer staples and the utilities one. We talked about the utilities being down, yield being up, and we had activity just two or three weeks ago, I believe it was. By the way, you can go to uh, WHK 1420, go to local podcast, and they, they keep a history of my podcast, so you can go back and see if I'm not lying. <laughs> and then we, we had... Uh, Utilities versus healthcare services now. Not health care, but healthcare services, and it turned up against that too. So it seems to me that utilities are starting to become interesting again. And we have a lot of those on the prime income list. And I would recommend uh that in the dividend growth list that you can get by going to my webpage from from the WHK web uh, page. Uh, webpage. But we do have Jerry
2: on the line. Jerry, what can I do for you? Good afternoon. You caught me in between a bite of my sandwich as I was listening. I'm sorry. Um, it's okay. How are you? Let me get this out. Okay. I'm 68 years old. I've um, done fairly well. I uh, have a whole life insurance policy, actually several. I got about a $200,000 cash value in it. Um, I don't need the money. It's, <laughs> excuse me. Paying with uh, about a uh, four to five percent dividend on invested capital. My conundrum is: Do I, at this point in my life, I got my bills paid, uh, kids are educated, so forth and so on. Do I cash out? Do I stay in, allowing the dividends to grow? But or I could keep putting money into it. What do you think? Well, four to five percent is a pretty good return if that's what you're really
1: getting. And I would check on that because. you know, one of the things I've been seeing is annuities are lowering you in with three to four percent, and then next thing you know, you're at one or two percent. <laughs> all mm-hmm. right, I don't know, I, I'm not saying all annuity companies are bad or life insurance companies are bad, I'm just saying they lower you in and then they drop it. Okay, so if that's four to five
2: percent, that's a pretty good return. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, well, it's Northwest I mean, you're, Mutual, you're, uh, Northwest, good but I'm, least, I'm just I'm kind of wondering. Am I better to take, you know, I can, I can leave the money in there, allow it to accumulate the dividends, or I can keep pushing money through it. Uh, and as I got three choices to make. I kind of betwixt and between. Um, well, the question is, why did you get in it in the first place? Well, at that point, I was 22 years old and I was married with children. All right.
1: So is uh, it for
2: the children? Uh, I'm sorry. For your wife and your children? Uh, did you take it out for yeah, your wife Right, Of course, children? yeah. Yeah. Are they still around? Uh, my wife is. The children have uh, grown up, and they're, you know, doing well by themselves. Okay. So the, what I guess I'm guessing,
1: saying, Jerry, is that the reason you took it out is still there. You know what I
2: mean? Um, so, uh, well, you know, if, yeah.
1: if, if I, the reason
2: has changed... I would not, I would not put it this way are there are better investments I could put it into that's that's where I'm I'm coming from I mean I could I'm not going to take it and uh go to the casinos and uh piss it away <laughs> Yeah I I don't think you should
1: do that either but you know look I think what you have to do is sit down and do the Ben Franklin clothes on yourself make a tea and just say okay why did I do you know why did I take this out you know does, is it still there or is there another mm-hmm. area w- where I can make more money uh, in a fairly safe way, you know? And the answer yeah. probably is yes, uh, eventually. Look, we're in a structural bull market, and I think it's going to last for another 7 to 10 years. Uh, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of high-quality companies that you can buy with good dividends that are going to raise those dividends 6 to 8% a year. That's a pretty good deal to me. But, you know, that look, that there's nothing wrong with 4 to 5% on a whole life policy. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: you know, as far as Tim's concerned, anyway. Well, uh, Tim, the insurance... The insurance salesman will say, "Well, why take it out? Because you're getting a good dividend on it." And of course, anybody who's a, has a decent investor know they can do better than that. They can it lose the whole thing they, too. Well, you
1: can't lose the whole thing unless you're doing it on you know high, uh, you know you're leveraging it to the hills, Okay, right. right. Uh, yeah. So the point is, as long as you're not using leverage, you're probably in pretty good shape. Number one. Number two. Like I said, it all depends on the reason you took it out. And if, if that reason still, you know, you, you still think it's front and center. And if not, then mm-hmm. you can change your mind and move it someplace else. But, you know, that's something you're going to determine, not me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know what I mean? All right. Yeah, I could thank uh, you. For I got ten, 10 other, no. 10 other places where I could put money that would do great, but I can't suggest that you should dump that, you know, that, that's something, that's a personal opinion. Okay. Okay. Thanks. Right, Tim. Have a great day. Yep. Yeah, see Bye. You. Anyway, uh we, were, uh we we're just I wanted to talk about one other thing and that is, you know, some of the foreign stocks are starting oh, the other thing I want to mention, we only have two favorite sectors. Only two. Remember we had twenty nine three months ago. So uh very few uh groups are are doing great and it's just a small handful of stocks. I did notice that uh in the foreign stocks, Denmark uh became a buy and Netherlands, Sweden, Finland Norway, Ireland, and Greece. So some of the European stocks are starting to come, come to to fruition. I also, I have, on relative strength changes, I have Aegeus. Uh, these are buys, by the way. Dynavax, Dasky, Evoqua, Water. And then I have three pages of sell
2: <laughs>
1: Hey, let's take a break. We'll be right back. And I'm going to come back with the insiders. So stay tuned. This is a Smart Investor Show. And I wanted to mention to Jerry, if you're still listening, uh, give me a call at my office Monday. It's two one six seven, seven, four eight, nine Oh six. Uh, and I can uh, fill you in a little bit more. Okay, Jerry. Um, anyway, we always talk about insiders and, uh, you know, insiders usually are early, but we're looking for big insider purchases. There's not a thousand shares or 500 shares unless the stocks, uh, you know, half a million dollar stock. Uh, and what we're looking for is multiple buyers too. And, uh, Look, insiders know their companies better than we do. It's that simple. So it's one of the technical things. What we try to do, what I try to do, uh, is, is when I'm molding a portfolio, I'm looking for dividend growth portfolio and a prime income portfolio. I put those together. I, I throw in a couple of money managers, the more money we get. And then what I do is I look for ideas where the fundamentals and the insiders are saying yes, and then the technicals turn up. All right. And what we're looking for is, you know, stocks that have gone sideways for a long time or bottomed out and turned up. And, uh, you know, something to pay very close attention to. Uh, but here's an interesting B. Riley Financial. You know, Mr. Riley, the uh, Brian Riley, who's the chairman and CEO, co-CEO, I should say, he bought uh, 135,000 shares. You may recall he bought last week, too. Uh, uh, and then on the 17th, he bought another 15,000 shares. So he's, he's bought a couple of times. And our friends at the Baker Brothers uh, have bought more Kodiak. Uh, Remember, they bought this stock at 58, went to 174, then backed off. And now here they are. You know, they bought three times last week, and this week they bought another 7.3 million. I think they now have about 13 million shares. And then on the uh, the 18th, they bought another uh, 1.9 million. And then there was one other purchase, and I have a long list today, so uh when i find it i'll let you know <laughs> uh so they, they bought quite a bit baker brothers smart money uh very smart money in tim's opinion and then you know we had a couple other names that i thought were kind of interesting uh, uh cf finance acquisition the company actually bought 500,000 shares after it broke 10. you know some bad news for you know i've been saying be careful with with SPACs for a while now uh to i had like all these people call into my office and ask me about SPACs and, the problem is, fact is, we don't know if the deal's going to go through. We don't know who they're buying. We, there's guesses, but until the deal's signed, you, you can't buy it, and then it gaps up four bucks. So, uh, it's tough. Uh, Fox, we had, uh, Lachlan Murdoch, who's the executive, uh, uh CEO now. Uh, he stepped up the plate and bought $5.8 million with stock. Uh, remember, this was a, uh, $37, $38 stock, now 34 so it's kind of good. Uh, and then, uh, BioMe Fusion, which is a biotech company that uh, was around 22, it's now 11. Uh, we had Tom Butler, and he's uh, CEO, and then the president, uh, Rainer Erdman. They both bought thousand six uh, seven thousand shares, about $3 million worth, which is uh, substantial. Then we had Chinook Therapeutics. Uh, we had the, uh, uh, a director, and I'm not going to attempt his name. I'm not that good. It's at $2.5 and then, uh, Tim Springer, uh, in Morphic Holdings, which is another biotech, which has been, you know, peaked down around 65 back in June and has been going sideways. I think he paid 56, 57 for it, bought a million dollars worth. So a lot of, a lot of biotech. And, uh, Biodesic, uh, uh, we, they purchased last week and then purchased some more this week. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, another million dollars worth. And then Applevin, which is a uh, a software company that was around ninety is around, around sixty. I think he, this guy paid sixty seven for it, and it's the president and CFO. I like when the money guys are buying. Okay, uh, and then Douglas Emmett, which is a real estate investment trust. The president and chief executive officer bought a million dollars worth. A couple other things I noticed. Uh, just you know, uh, Comscope, which was you know a uh, twenty two dollars stocks Now fifteen. We had the uh, a director uh, buy a million dollars worth, and then. Uh, Hubert Jolly from Ralph Lauren bought a million dollars worth of stock, which we haven't seen that happen in a while. And then Option Care Health, which is a name we really like, at the new high, or right before the new high, the director Harry Kramer bought a million dollars worth. And like I said, Mister Bryant Riley at at B. Riley Associates. Uh, he bought some more stock at a, about another million dollars worth. A couple other names that we, uh, we thought were interesting. Uh, by the way, Tim Springer bought several, uh, things of, uh, uh, Times and Morphic Holdings. Uh, and Tim Springer's a pretty smart guy. But Six Flags, uh, you know, had been down from 48 to 39 and we had a couple bought, we had one, two, three buyers of that. Uh, Philip Frost at Opco bought another 100,000 shares. Uh, I, he's bought so much he scares me. And then Ball Corp uh, at a new high. We had uh, one, two, three, four, five, six buyers uh, of about four or five thousand shares. And then, um, and also uh, uh, Loomis Pharma, we had one, two, three, four, five, six buyers of about two hundred thousand dollars each. Uh, so that's about a million dollars. So a lot of insider buying is what it comes down to. All right, so uh, something to think about. And look. Uh, you know, I mentioned last week that, uh, Tom Lee at Fundstrat was talking about, uh, you know, an everything rally. Okay. You know, I, I'm not sure he says, you know, is is the market half full or half empty, you know, that type of thing. And, uh, Friday might, I think Thursday mate might have been, and he was talking Wednesday being the, the key, uh, but Wednesday might have been. Uh, you know, it gapped down and then we gapped up on Friday. So, uh, you, you know, that's, that's kind of a bottoming formation. And I, I, think, uh, you know, look, there was some panic that showed up in the markets, uh, because of Afghanistan. Uh, and the Fed, you know, is talking about tapering and all that stuff. And, uh, but when sellers are done, right? And one of the things I've, I've talked to people about, and there's not huge selling. Just nobody at the bid, all right? There's not a lot of buyers. They, they're probably all, you know, Nantucket or uh, the Long Island or wherever it may be, uh, you know, uh, Newport, uh, you know, having having cocktails at three. Okay, so that's something you got to pay pretty pretty close attention to. But look, a couple things, and I'm, I'm going to quote Rob Schleimer here because Rob is a really good technician and he's really got his act together. The long-term cycle backdrop is still intact. Uh, we're kind of advanced. We're kind of above the trend. Uh, so, you know, our four-year cycle. Uh, we always look at the four-year cycle, and then the and then what we call the structural cycle, the the big bear or bull market stru- uh, cycles, which are usually sixteen to eighteen years long. But the four-year cycle, we had our low. Now we're getting, you know. We're coming in some times where it's a little tougher to make money, all right? And uh, so the next two years will be up and down a little bit, and then we'll probably pull back, and then we'll go from there. You know, that just starts all over again. So the intermediate-term lows with short-term pullbacks will probably be there for cyclicals, okay? Uh, you know, I think the, the you know, the, do, the new variant on, on the, you know, uh, pandemic front, is causing the cyclicals to pull back, especially the epicenter uh, cyclicals, because you know we're this is round two type of thing, and I think you got to watch the Russell two thousand. You know, if we break twenty one hundred, now we 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 went right there, we went right to the two hundred day moving average. We we're just a little bit above it, and then we rallied and we rallied on volume Friday. Okay, that's a very positive sign. But if it breaks twenty one hundred, that means the foot soldiers and the archers are still are going back to the barracks. All right, and I you, you don't win a war without the the guys the the you know the, the people supporting the big guys. Okay, so uh, I, and I think the ten year yields the intermediate term bottoming pattern kind of remains in place, but it's got to turn up here because then you know we got that fifty day crossing over the two hundred day, which uh, might be a problem. But if it does pick up, then you know, like I said, the ten year yield. And the KRE, which is the Regional Bank Index, which is an important index because it's a big part of the Russell 2000, and the Russell 2000, would all pick up together. I think that would be an extremely positive sign. I don't think, you know, we don't know about that yet. But, uh, look, there's some fairly timely ideas, some stocks that got hit uh, that I think would be good buying opportunities. And I could go, you know, give you ideas, but I'm not going to do that over the air. Uh, if you want to call me. You know, I talk to people every day. and But I think it's important that, you know, you take a look at, you know, you've got the large stocks participating, small stocks not participating, and now we've had, you know, the international stocks or the world stocks are starting to get beat up a little bit too. Now, the small stocks in the the world stocks are at 42. 30 is just the next, you know, right around the corner. But it, it can get violent. Uh, during that period of time. I thought it was interesting that gold picked up with Afghanistan. You know, Gold went right down to 1676 and rallied right back up. So that's a positive sign. So if gold, gold were to break you know, 2000, I think it would be very, very positive. If it were to break 1900, I think it would be really, really positive. I did notice that its relative performance versus copper has picked up, which is also important. I, I'm going over the questions, by the way, that people ask me all the time. And I had a lot of questions about the banks and like I said, the financials, especially the regional banks are kind of tied into the 10 year treasury yield. The higher that yield, the more spread they make. And uh, believe me, demand growth, loan growth will pick up with that yield because uh, the banks wanted to, number one, number two, because the economy is picking up and more people are going to be opening businesses and stuff like that. Okay. So in the meantime, Go to WHK 1420 AM. Go to local podcast down to Smart Investor Show and Tim Hayes. Don't forget our, our you know, we, we can get you our top ideas, our dividend growth portfolio. Great idea right now. Prime income list. What a great idea. Check of the month club. Uh, you have to talk to me about that. Uh, go to the bulletin board. Read the trend and cycle information in our weekly newsletter. Uh, go to insights and check out what we you know, we've just had three new uh, articles on there this week. Also, we have the 2021 RBC Capital Markets Global Energy Power and Infrastructure World Conference. I've got that and the U.S. Electrical Grid. Those are good pieces. You should read them about the future because they are the future. In the meantime, have a great weekend. This is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. Buy low, sell high.